0: Hi, and welcome to Only the Avatar.
1: And Avatar, The Last Airbender Rewatch Podcast. I'm Veda.
0: And I'm Christina, and you're listening to the episode, The Siege of the North, Part 1.
1: Almost done with book one. I I love this episode. Me too. What I've been thinking recently is, do I like the storytelling episodes or do I like the action episodes? And I think looking back on the podcast, I think I really like the action episodes.
0: Huh. So you like episodes more about the battle and the fighting, like our episode on the Northern Air Temple, yeah. more than you like the episodes on, say, the Winter Solstice, where we meet Avatar I Roku? I like
1: Spirit World, but like, compared to maybe like the Warriors of Kyoshi, you know, or, like, or some of the more storytelling ones, I don't think... I like, th- I, mean, I like them, but I think the action ones just really get my adrenaline going, and it makes the episode feel really... I think they get the pacing right during the action episodes. I can see that. It feels more seamless. And the storytelling is so deep that sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish these episodes were longer because it feels cramped.
0: I guess so. I think I like the story episodes more because I'm just thinking about my favorite episode this season. And that episode is the storm. And I always love hearing about the backstories of people Mm -hmm. and like just learning more about the world in general. Like I also love the two parter where we go to the spirit world for the first time. So I think I'm more into the stories compared to the action. But I know i love both i love
1: both too but i just i always comment on the pacing in some of these episodes not for the Mm -hmm. storm because those were really tight but sometimes i'm like oh i just feel like it dragged in the middle or it was just it feels really cramped but i never feel that for these action episodes i think they just get it perfectly and an episode like this is so complex because they have like multiple character storylines all coming together
0: yeah, I really I love this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes and it's actually I think one of the co-creator's favorite episodes as well. It's so good. It's so good. It gives a lot of great background on the next episode since this this is a two-part episode. You know, I kind of wanted to watch both together, but I was like, you know, let me hold back. Let me (laughs) hold back until next week to watch the next episode. (laughs) But you know what I actually watched last night for the very first time? What? Spirited Away. Oh my god, I'm so glad. What did you think? I really liked it. I thought the beginning was a little slow, but I liked that it was world building. And then I really loved the ending. Like I cried at the and I was like tearing up of like, why am I crying? Um Isn't and the animation so memorable. It really is. It's so distinct. I've been really wanting to watch it for a while. So I'm happy I got to watch it. And I just love Chichiro as a character. Mm-hmm. She reminds me of like myself when I was a little girl. So I think I really identify with her a lot. <laughs> I think it's actually
1: such a scary idea right in that movie of like your parents disappearing into pigs and like your understanding of your own memory and who you are and the power of a name and Mm -hmm. there's I think there's a lot of stuff around uh, just like Japanese mythology and characters and
0: it's being in the spirit world. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it totally makes sense that he kind of based it off of Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. where you're on your own and you're meeting all these new kinds of spirits and creatures and you have to figure your way out. So I really like that. I'm excited. I got like the seven day trial of HBO Max. So I'm mm-hmm. like planning to watch all of like Studio Ghibli's uh, movies because they're all on HBO Max. So
1: Yay, that's great. I love them. I mean, they are a little slow, but You just kind of let it seep over you. You just have to get into the mood to watch it. And then suddenly you're just enveloped by the music. The, the music's
0: beautiful. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was like the highlight. I was like, this had to have won some kind of award for their music because it was so beautiful.
1: I love the little soot, the, like the soot characters. We <laughs> yeah, talking about soot today too, but those little characters with their spiky hair and their little
0: yeah. eyes. And yeah. I love
1: the baby, like the baby heads, how they turn into the dog.
0: No, it it turned into a mouse. Oh, a mouse. Yeah, but either way, it was so cute.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Just really beautiful animation. And and I think about it like when I look at it at theme park, right? How they changed. The whole thing was really good. I'm glad you liked it.
0: Yeah, the no face guy was really creepy. Like I always saw like images of him online. But like seeing him in the movie, I'm like, this thing is so creepy. I do not (laughs) like it. (laughs) His
1: sounds and like, oh, I don't know. He is very scary. Uh, Yeah,
0: I wasn't. thrilled with him but i love the movie overall so happy I. yeah yeah and like i know that avatar has a lot of influences from studio ghibli so it's cool to see that parallel
1: i'm excited for you to watch all of the collection you have to tell me which one you like the best
0: yeah i think the next one i'm gonna watch is the totoro is the totoro
1: my neighbor totoro yeah it's so cute i have a totoro on my bed
0: (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yeah, because I think I'm just like watching the ones where I know like the characters from like the internet. I'm like, I'm gonna watch that one next. So
1: <laughs> and tell me what you think about Howl's Moving Castle when you get to it.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll that'll be the third one on the list then. <laughs> yay. Yeah, should we get into the episode? Let's jump in. Yeah. So this episode premiered on December 2nd, 2005, and it was written by John O'Brien, who wrote The Great Divide, I believe, and The Fortune Teller. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, very different than this episode is very different than The Great Divide, I would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we do, through our facts, we saw that the writing on Avatar is actually pretty collaborative, though. And all the writers, work together and they're usually led by the head writer aaron he and of course the showrunners mike and brian i thought the writing on this show was pretty good though i do have some comments about zuko's voice in this episode i don't know if you agree okay i thought he was a little corny voice (laughs) not his voice but like his character tone this episode i'm like losing the word for it like i i thought uh zuko was written very cornily this episode or that just might be me.
1: I didn't realize that if anything I was more amazed of like he is so athletic. Like <laughs> I kept being like how is he holding his breath and not exhausted? <laughs> I don't know. I was just distracted by the sheer athleticism to to complete. Like, he had some crazy tasks in this episode.
0: I know, all by himself, too. But we'll get more into that yeah. as it goes on. But overall, I like the writing of this episode. Um, and there's a lot of different themes in this episode as well, like yin and yang and leaving a legacy. And will that legacy be good or bad? So um, we start off, there's a little bit of ominous music coming in, and we see that Katara is fighting a northern water tribe, Waterbender, and she's basically like owning him on the battlefield, right? She's improved so much. I'm not sure
1: how long they've been here, but she's very talented.
0: Very talented and Paku is very impressed. Imagine if he just turned her away. Like,
1: yeah, you don't
0: know who has the gift. <laughs> he, she has the gift. And then even Paku says that the other waterbender that Katara is facing, maybe he could beat a sea sponge. And that's a direct reference to Spongebob Squarepants. Sea sponge, Spongebob. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: wonder if they are all friends when creating the shows. Like, I wonder if Nickelodeon show people like writers are friends with each other.
0: I'm sure they are because writing is such a small world and they're all probably worked on projects together and they're probably in the same like office back when there were offices. <laughs> so I'm sure they were all friends with each other, or, like took classes together or did like writing groups together. Because even you see it like in sketch or like uh, mm-hmm. comedy, all the writers know each other. All those kind of actors know each other too. That's so.
1: fun. I like, you know, little hidden inside jokes like that, references to other shows in the network. Yeah. Yeah. And Paku makes a comment about this too. Like he says that she's advanced quickly compared to any other student. So he knows that she's really hardworking and she's very determined to become a great vendor. And I'm proud of him too. Like he's actually changed too.
0: Yeah, he's around for sure. And Paku is even like raw talent is not enough. And then <laughs> it pans over to Aang just like playing with Momo and like hanging out in the, in the snow, which is kind of funny. And Paku is like, oh, you're just hanging out. You must have mastered Waterbending, and he's like, Not really, but I can make a snowman out of myself. (laughs) That was so funny. He's like, I wouldn't say
1: mastered. Also, Aang in this episode was just so calm. I like it's you know, he obviously is an emotional character. Like, he does have these moments where he gets really stressed and goes into the avatar state or is taken over by fear and runs away. But in this episode, I don't see any of that. There's really no emotion from him he's almost like fearless and just like playing so it's an interesting look at that
0: I think they made a conscious effort not to focus on Aang too much the beginning part of the episode I would say mm-hmm. like in the very end they might have but I feel like he did showcase emotion after and we can get into it later but he says like I'm just one kid I can't do it all yeah. by myself yeah, we do see that one but
1: I was just like there are parts of this where I'm just surprised at how calm he, he seems and I think I don't know, maybe he is tapped into his, his child, like he is still a child. So maybe he's just tapped into that. And like watching him train, he's still very, you know, even though he's obviously the smartest one, he's just not trying.
0: He has that typical thing where it's like someone who's super super smart, like doesn't like to study or work hard in school because they're just naturally gifted. Yeah, and of course the Avatar is like the most gifted Bender, so he's like, "Eh, "I'll figure it out when I figure it out." Kind of vibe. It's cute. I love Sokka and Yue's romance I like
1: that storyline in the this episode and the last one Same. and I have a really like I like the side of Sokka and seeing him so vulnerable and the energy that they create through the animation the village like that yeah. there is so beautiful and it's just great for romance like the the white of the ice and the water um and Yue is beautiful It just it's so cute. Yeah, and- I
0: love the the scene where, you know, they're walking along and UA is like kind of on the ice sidewalk and Sokka's up like kind of bouncing on like the ledge up top, kind of like they're at different levels. So like direction wise, it makes a really great scene. And it's, it's just very romantic. I really and liked it. Is.
1: And UA feels it too. She she's like this is wrong and it's only wrong because she feels such intense emotion for Sokka and she knows that she's engaged while Sokka's is like trying to balance this like he's like okay we can just be friends but she feels too strongly about him to be friends.
0: Yeah. And so Sokka is like, you know what, let me cheer you up and introduces her to Appa. And they go on like kind of like a magic carpet ride. It reminded me of Aladdin a lot where they're just soaring above the sky. It's really, really
1: cute. I was laughing because of the confident way that he says yip yip while getting on to Appa and you know taking Appa into flight and it just reminded me of the first episode or second episode where he was like trying all those different phrases like arise yeah (laughs) how things have changed and how Saka's changed so that was I felt like that was a good callback and yeah they were just a really good couple and it's so romantic now they're in the air
0: Yeah, and um, they're about to kiss. But Sokka actually chickens out, which I'm kind of surprised about. I thought he he would... So I don't think he would do
1: it. Like, he is a moral character.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I thought, you know, he's all about the romance. So I thought that was going to actually happen. But it's crazy to think about how much the characters have changed from the first episode to now. Like, Mm -hmm. Sokka is more confident and more vulnerable. Katara is now basically a waterbending master, and Aang is more confident, like you said before. So it's -hmm. it's crazy to see so much character growth in just, like, 20 episodes.
1: It's funny when Sokka chickens out with a kiss, though, because he's, like, so awkward. I like how they create that awkwardness of those initial steps of romance, no matter what age you are. And he's just like, good times, good times. Yeah,
0: but definitely at his age, he's, like, 14. Like, that's the peak of awkward dating like you're so awkward you don't know what you're doing
1: (laughs) I was cracking up at that but their romantic moment is destroyed because there's this dark soot falling from the sky that's mixing with that fresh white innocent snow that we've seen all throughout the kingdom and Sokka notices it and he remembers it from when he was a kid and his kingdom was attacked and he's like oh this black soot means that the Fire Nation is close by and closing in onto the North Pole and he's like there's going to be a lot of Fire Nation soldiers and he can see them coming towards the kingdom.
0: Yeah so it's super scary I mean, the episode is called Siege of the North, so we should be expecting this. Yeah. I think, yeah, last episode we knew that Zhao was coming in towards the North Pole. And so we cut to Zhao and he's talking to Iro about, you know, he's like, I can't wait for my name to be in the history books, like talking about taking down the water tribe. And Iroh is straight up just like, history is not always kind to its subjects.
1: But I'm glad that you said that because this shows what is Zhao's motivation. Because we kept wondering, right? Like, why is he being so crazy about this? It is more about leaving a legacy than power itself. Like, he's so obsessed with how the future will remember him. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, so that's his motivation. He wants to be known as this hero and Iroh is a lot wiser about this because, like, it depends on who's writing the history.
0: Yeah. I and mean, He's so much older and he has more experience than Zhao. Zhao, when he's talking about, like, we're going to make, I'm going to make history, reminds me of, like, kind of, like, the American forefathers because they always wrote letters to each other talking about how history would remember them. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a vibe Zhao gives. So
1: Yeah, we're also laughing because remember last week when we were talking about um, some generals that we don't even remember who did great things or like there's some people who yeah. are we lost to history too so it's just like i get it as a motivator but i just want it to be like you don't know what people are going to remember and and every time has their own sort of values and and morals
0: yeah it also showcased how warped his morals is because he thinks like oh i'm going to take down the water tribe so i'm going to be remembered fondly in history like in what world does taking down an entire nation make you a valuable person or make you a good person you know what i mean that's so warped and he's so focused on one thing that he can't see the full picture of like this will not restore balance to the world and we'll actually i'm pretty sure we'll See more of his like narrow-minded thinking ruining more things for him in the in the next episode.
1: When Iroh comments on that, Zhao thinks that is talking about his own loss because he lost the Battle of Basing Se. And mm-hmm. you know, Iroh has done some soul searching, so it's like the contrast between them is really interesting. But while they're on the ship, Iroh finds Zuko, who was hidden on the ship. No one knows I mean, Zhao doesn't know that Zuko's alive and is is hidden. Amongst the soldiers, Iroh tells um, Zuko that they're going to be landing soon. And he asks Zuko, like, do you have a plan? And Zuko's like, okay, I'm working on it.
0: And so then we switch back and we're back in the North Pole. And the people are kind of running to safety because they know that the Fire Nation is coming. And Sokka and Yue are like holding hands. And, you know, I thought it was kind of awkward because everyone's running to safety. And Yue is just like, I can't be around you. I'm like, this is not the time.
1: (laughs) Definitely is not the time. I'm surprised. But, you know, sometimes like when there's a lot of anxious stuff happening, like you're focusing on something else because you're like, I can control this.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, like she can't really control what the Fire Nation's doing. So I guess that makes sense and while like Sokka and you are talking about like being together Sokka is like you know like it's clear you don't love this guy and she says you know but I love my people and I'm doing this I'm marrying this man for my people and my culture which is like such a mature thing to do Mm -hmm. as like a 14 year old because like it's your duty over your own personal life and unfortunately as a princess that's probably gonna happen a lot to her
1: it's also interesting of like the way that the tribes are run again it's a contrast between the North Northern water tribe and the southern water tribe and like the leadership around there so Sokka gets it I think I think part of it makes him like her even more right because he sees like how responsible she is and he he has that as well like he has those traits as well but the northern water tribe is meeting and preparing for this battle um and the leader of the tribe makes a comment and he says that this is huge like this is it this is a major siege and some people won't make it, and some people will disappear from the tribe but remain in the hearts of the community,
0: yeah. And it actually closes up on three different people: it's Yue, Han, and Paku. And spoiler alert, something happens to all these people that means that they're not going to be at the Northern Water Tribe in the near future. So, I, when I was first looking at this scene mm-hmm. without really thinking about that, I was like, it's so random that they close up on these three people, but it kind of makes sense when Force you watch it. Yeah, it's a lot of foreshadowing here.
1: Lots of setup. And I also thought the way that the leader expressed the battle, like this is a battle for our existence because they know that the fire nation has wiped out entire groups of people. I thought that was a really heartfelt way to put it. And then the leader of the tribe also says that we need to call upon the spirits that protect us, the spirit of the ocean and the spirit of the moon. And he also asks for volunteers for a tough mission.
0: Yeah. And Sokka actually volunteers for that tough mission. He knows he has a duty and he wants to help out. And he goes and gets the marks of the leader of the tribe to showcase that, you know, we're here for battle. And I was just also thinking, like, I love the Water Tribe's culture. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the Water Tribe and the Air Nomads have, like, the best culture represented throughout the entire series. Mm -hmm. And I guess it would be the Water Tribe because, like, there's only one air nomad, but they have a very strong culture too. But compared to like the Fire Nation and the Earth Kingdom, like I think like the water tribe is just so distinct um in this world.
1: They get these three lines on their forehead that looks like a river like so they're all marked that they've accepted the task and while Sokka's walking away, he makes eye contact with UA, and they give each other this like one last look like they're going to battle things are getting serious and we see that UA is crying.
0: With her head held high. So you know, true leadership right there as a young woman. That's so true. Yeah, and so, you know, the battle's probably going to start soon, and the leader of the tribe, I believe his name is Arnook. Arnook says, like, the stillness before battle is unbearable, and even Aang is like, I wouldn't know because I wasn't there when the Fire Nation attacked my people, which is just so sad and heartbreaking, and he's like, I need redemption, like, he says, I'm not gonna let this happen again, so you know that Aang is ready to fight for humanity at this point, mm-hmm. so- Everyone is standing in the at the fort of the Water Tribe, including Appa, and this huge fireball comes straight towards the gate of the Northern Water Tribe, and the battle begins.
1: It melts up the, the wall that they're standing there, and I don't think the tribe was prepared for that at all. And I'm like, why aren't they doing anything? Why aren't they attacking back? From
0: a battle perspective. This is horribly played out by the Water Tribe. I <laughs> was the planet okay. this. I feel like they weren't thinking at all. Like, this is Like, they had their speeches and stuff, but like, I just don't understand how badly you could prepare for this battle. Like, there's going to be more showcases of this later on in the episode, but why would you wait for them to come to you and attack your people? Why would you fight them out at the water when you're surrounded by the element that you could control and attack from there instead of to your people instead? You're surrounded by water. You could just freeze them all over you yeah, know what I, was I mean
1: really confused. I'm like why didn't they create a tidal wave and push back they have all these benders like I can imagine them all standing there and creating a huge wave and pushing back the boats and making difficult yeah. to come here and I'm like why aren't they attacking why aren't they attacking and the only person who's taking an offense here Is
0: because he like he, I guess he could fly over to them but it's still like it just doesn't make sense that they're just waiting and I, don't, I think it wasn't like they weren't prepared for it. It was like they were literally waiting for the battle to start, right? So it's like, why wouldn't you go out there and attack the people in the Fire Nation right away? It just doesn't make military sense to me. Yeah, I'm like, what is this fight? <laughs>
1: um, Aang is the only one who's in there. And it's like, and it's one guy. Against all of these people. So he gets onto one of the boats, and he uses the fireball cannons to destroy that boat itself. So I feel like he does this a lot, you know, using the weapons of the Fire Nation to destroy themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. It's not fair, it's one guy it's one guy and so like yeah ang flies i believe he flies to one of the boats and he's just attacking them one-on-one which isn't a great strategy because as as he says it's he's so only happy. one person how is this one person gonna like it it took him a while to attack like this one ship right like how's he gonna do for all the other ships you need like the rest of the people And then when the
1: camera pans out you see there's hundreds and hundreds of ships yeah. like, this is a huge huge battle
0: Yeah. And I really did like the battle that Aang had with all those Fire Nation soldiers on that one boat. I really liked that Appa was able to save the day as well. Like Aang is using his defensive airbending. He's able to fight them off and destroy the cannonball. And then that one crazy guy, he was so crazy. He had that that one ponytail. He was huge. And he wrapped Aang around. But then Appa, of course, saved the day. And I love that Appa I think this is the first time we see Appa kill someone, like actually, because he just picks the guy up with his like paw and throws him in the water. <laughs> and I've seen that scene of like Appa, like picking up a guy, and throwing it over the water on TikTok. And I'm like, oh, it's from this episode. <laughs> so-, so good. I love Appa. So after Aang is able to dismantle, like, the fireball cannon, we see that the Water Tribe soldiers finally get to that one ship and kind of ice it over. And it's very similar to one of the first episodes where we see a Fire Nation ship in ice when we're at the Southern Water Tribe. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why didn't they just do this to all the boats? Like... Instead of waiting around for them to come to you. Like, I don't don't understand. They are at an advantage here. They're surrounded by water. Water Water tribe in the water. Use it. Like, come on, man.
1: No sense. Like, after questioning what is the strategy of this water tribe, we learned that they're planning on infiltrating the Fire Nation army, which I also think is kind of dumb, but they have these old uniforms.
0: And Sokka literally laughs. He's literally laughing, saying, like, these uniforms don't look anything like they did before. Like, what are they from? Like a hundred years ago? And we have a funny line. They're
1: actually eighty-five years old, and completely <laughs> really different, right? They have these spiked shoulders, and the uniforms are much more streamlined. But it also brings attention to the fact that soccer actually. Knows what's been going on much more than this isolated people. He knows Zhao, he's seen the Fire Nation, he's been there, he's like been in battle right now. Like he has the advantage of experience.
0: Yeah. And yet this guy, Han, is going to actually be leading this special mission. And it's kind of like oh, this Han guy doesn't know what's going on. It really should be Sokka that's in charge because we know he's a good leader and he has experience with the Fire Nation. Um, I think another question that the leader asks is like, we need to Figure out who their leader is and, and Sokka is straight up just like His name's Zhao, he's middle-aged, he has weird sideburns You know what I mean? His like, it, Big sideburns,
1: bigger temper
0: yes yes
1: and the leader realizes that Sokka has this experience and he's like why don't you tell Han everything since Han is in charge of the mission
0: yeah and then it's kind of revealed through this conversation that Han is actually marrying Yue and Sokka is shocked because Han just seems stupid and mean and dumb throughout this entire interaction and Sokka's straight up just like Princess Yue is marrying you and Han is straight up just like yeah what of it like who cares you know what I mean so the
1: animation was pretty funny here because I feel like there was a lot of like uh, comedy in the animation of the facial expressions throughout this yes. episode,
0: especially between Zaka and Han. So all the Fire Nation ships are now attacking with their fireballs, and you know we have a scene of Zhao and Iroh together, and Iroh's basically advising Zhao to say, you know, we should halt the attack. The Waterbenders draw their power from the moon, and it's almost a full moon tonight. And Zhao is like, I'm aware of the moon issue. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny when you think about what's going to happen next. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, we're going to pause for the night, right? So the battle is stopped, which is another bad military move. Why isn't the water bending attacking at night during the almost yeah. full moon? I would have had everyone sit in and then come out at night and freeze these ships over. Like, what are they? Like, doing? What are they doing? Waiting around like the military? Oh, they gotta. They gotta read a book. They gotta read You're- a book. <laughs> They're a mess it's like I'm I'm just like a normal girl and I can even see this is horrible military tactics from the water bending tribe I'm like why
1: didn't they attack at night
0: what yeah why why are you gonna wait like do you guys need your beauty sleep or something this is war come on like you draw your energy from the moon use it to attack the fire nation
1: I feel like I sound like one of my uh, family friends and when I was younger I used to love Sailor Moon and I would watch it with him and he was older and he would always be like why don't the bad guys and the villains attack the Sailor Scouts while they're changing. <laughs> There's always like a long segment where they change into their outfits <laughs> before
0: battle. It's like you just attack them then, you got to be strategic. <laughs> what? So, you know, everyone has stopped battle and, you know, Aang has come back because he's just exhausted, right? Like, he's one kid. He was taking on all of those ships on his own. Yeah, he was taking on all the ships on his own and it's like, he's just one kid and that's when he's, like, showcasing his emotion and he's like, I'm... I'm just one kid. And UA's like, but you're the Avatar. And she's like, yeah, but I'm still one person. It's not that much manpower to attack all the Fire Nation. I was like, Yue, he's, he's still a kid. It's only yeah. one person. We what
1: need backup. Is, what <laughs> is your tribe doing? Nothing. Like, Ang is really like the <laughs> MVP here. Like, I feel like- Like, come on.
0: Like, why um, do they have that? Okay, like- I just can't believe the more we talk about it, I'm like, wow, what bad military tactics. Like they had this whole tribal ceremony where they're like, we're going to do all this stuff. No, just do it now. Work, do it now. Like, why so are you bad. sleeping
1: on this? So, so bad. So we cut Kuzuko preparing to leave the Fire Nation ship and Iro comes by and is giving him some advice and dropping some knowledge. And he has an extended metaphor of being like, when you're trying to catch an octopus a.k.a. the Avatar, you need to have a tight net because the octopus can just squeeze through any hole. So don't have any holes in your plan, basically. And Zuko is just not having it. He's rolling his eyes. But, you know, he he loves Iroh. And Iroh apologizes for nagging Zuko. And he says, ever since I lost my son... I think of you as my own.
0: I really love that because even he doesn't say it all together. He goes, ever since I lost my son, Zuko goes, you don't have to say it. You know what I mean? Like he knows he doesn't have to say it. It is really sweet, like their connection, especially because Zuko's dad is literally the worst person in this entire series. (laughs) It's so
1: moving seeing them together and how much they love each other. And I was just like crying. I was like, this is so good. So Um, sweet. Iroh gives him more advice because he wants to make sure that Zuko is safe and he's like remember your breath of fire and then the cutest one is when Zuko's on his ship like on his little boat going down and
0: he's like keep your ears warm. Like such a dad, such a dad move.
1: it's it's so cute and that idea of like keeping your ears warm just reminds me like they're in freezing temperatures right now and yeah ice the cold the moonlight like really sets the scene for the next episode too
0: yeah for sure um and then we're back at the northern water tribe and like the soldiers are getting ready for battle instead of actually fighting in the battle and (laughs) they're sharpening their knives and han is bragging to sokka about marrying Yue because it has the most perks Ew. and then we get a great Sokka facial expression and he's like the perks what you know he's so mad because Sokka's like falling in love with this girl and this guy that she's marrying doesn't even care about her uh, he's a kind of a gold digger basically basically and he also calls Sokka Soka. like this guy this kid is stupid
1: but also, like, why are you putting him down right now? Like, this is the time, like, you're going into battle. You should not be
0: a dick. And it's also, like, you're, it's, you're not being serious, too. Like, you're talking about girls right now. Like, it's time to get ready for battle. Think about strategy. Don't talk yeah, about the your perks you're getting be- and marrying the princess of the water tribe. It's just this very is silly. That.
1: Your people might be getting extinct almost exterminated this is yeah. really not the time you should be working together and Sokka says that UA is wasted on Han and the fight escalates and Han like is going below the belt and there's some classism here too that comes up and he's like oh you're just a southern water tribe peasant He calls him a rube and of course Sokka's is getting pissed and so they start fighting they actually like get on the floor and they're rolling around and fighting
0: and, and- their faces are really funny during this scene too like it's just so overly animated which I I liked about it Um, and the leader of the tribe has to break it up and tell Sokka that he's off the mission which is dumb Sokka should be the leader of the mission and Han should go do whatever he's doing you know what I mean
1: Mm -hmm. and we can see that Han didn't take Sokka's experience and advice called Admiral Zhao Admiral Cho so you know that all the insights that Sokka has hasn't gotten to Han's head
0: yeah or maybe he's just really bad with names but still like he's stupid (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think
1: it shows that he's careless
0: and isn't listening to Sokka. And you could just tell by his mannerisms and the way he's acting that he's not taking any of this very seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like obviously Sokka knows the consequences if you don't take this battle seriously, like your people could be wiped out. But Han mm-hmm. is just like, like, he he just doesn't get it, right? Like, he's supposed to be the leader of this mission, but he doesn't get the seriousness of it at all. Mm-hmm. So we actually then see Zuko trying to sneak into the northern water tribe, but it's fully guarded. So he's he's getting closer and he sees like the, the people on the bridge and he needs to find another way to get inside. And that's when he notices these really, really, really cute turtle seals swimming and making a lot of noise. And they're, they're going into the very loud and they're going into a hole within the ice and Zuko's like they have to be coming up for air somewhere right like I don't know the anatomy of these turtle seals but I guess they're like mammals so they need air to breathe (laughs) so Zuko decides to hold his breath and follow them and that's like such a scary move just because he doesn't know how long he'll be underwater like yeah he, he better be able to hold his breath for a very long time or he could die like he could have frozen to death I wonder if people from the Fire Nation are more warm blooded than all the others. Like, <laughs> like they have an average higher temperature than other people. I was like,
1: oh my god, I don't know. It yeah. it was definitely a risky, risky move. But then we cut to Yue, Katara, and Aang, and they're standing together and looking at the moon. Why are they standing around? Please, like, be planning an attack.
0: Like, you should be attacking the Fire Nation right now. Like, if you draw your strength from the moon, like, attack them now. Use your strength. Yeah.
1: Yue explains how the moon strengthens waterbenders, and she explains that the moon actually taught her people how to bend. The people watched the push and pull of the tide, and they learned how to do it themselves.
0: Yeah, she says that the moon was the very first waterbender, and fun fact, waterbenders are the only benders who didn't originally learn how to manipulate or bend their element from an animal, because we know that the air people learn from bison, the Earth Kingdom learned from the badger balls, and the Fire Nation learned from the dragons, so yeah. Yeah. Very very cool.
1: And Katara feels that her water bending is stronger at night. Hello, this is a sign. Please be fighting out there. I don't know. Right? What like,
0: is, is this like news to everyone? But UA, like maybe UA could be like, guys, now's the time to attack. Yeah. <laughs> And then he
1: explains that the waterbender's strength comes from the spirit of the moon and the life itself, The people believe that life itself comes from the ocean. And hearing this conversation about spirit, like where does the spirit come from, Ang realizes that maybe the spirit world may be able to help him in the Fire Nation.
0: I don't know why it took him so long to remember that, but I think I usually watch like random episodes of Avatar in between like the episodes we watch and like the spirit world is so much more apparent in future episodes and different seasons and I'm just like okay maybe like Ang has only really been to the spirit world once you know yeah, what I mean with an accident so yeah so maybe that's why he's like oh yeah that spirit thing that's That's part of me.
1: (laughs) And is kind of confused and Katara comes in and she's like, the avatar is the bridge between the spirit world and our world. And that line always makes me laugh because I think back to the spirit episodes where everyone kept saying that.
0: Like it's like (laughs) a weird refrain. It's like in the brand copy that the writers (laughs) must use it like once an episode or something.
1: (laughs) And so Uae's like, oh, wow, you should go into the spirit world because maybe that can give you wisdom. And Aang is like, oh, maybe they'll do a crazy spirit attack on the Fire Nation. And I'm like, at least Aang has- Foreshadowing. (laughs) Aang has priorities, right, of like going to war. This is not the time to look at the moon and talk
0: about wisdom. (laughs) Like, la-di-da, like we might die tomorrow. Maybe they're like, we might die tomorrow. We might as well live it up and look at the moon right now. (laughs) And
1: so Katara's like, how is Aang going to get there? Because last time, it's true, it was- an accident and Yue has an idea and she wants to bring them to the most spiritual place in the North Pole and this location is called the Spirit Oasis.
0: And it's very beautiful and has a waterfall and a garden and a small lake and Aang loves it he's like oh my god grass which I think is so funny. (laughs) It's true because everything is ice and
1: water there's absolutely no greenery anywhere and then you come to this lush warm place with grass and flowers like it's kind of shocking.
0: Yeah, but then we we see Zuko finally makes it out of the water. So, I guess it was a good idea he followed those seal turtles. And he's freezing and he finally actually uses Iroh's advice and uses fire breath for warmth. Iroh is always coming in with the good insights. Hot. Um and it's so funny cuz like the seals are just like blabbering on like making noises and I love that he's just like quiet. <laughs> like he can control these people like they're his minions or something. <laughs>
1: And they all silent. they all silence down, but oh my god, I'm like, how did he get down here? Like the first step in Zuko's like, extreme strength in this episode.
0: Yeah, and yeah, he's like climbing up another waterfall, um, and he has to hold his breath again, and he's trying to punch through to like this huge block of ice. But he's able to use his fire bending to warm it through, so he can poke through. Everything in the water tribe is made out of ice, so mm-hmm. if you're from the Fire Nation and you have fire bending, it's pretty easy to just kind of destroy everything. Yeah, he
1: can just melt. He can melt everything and go through and meanwhile Sokka's sulking because he's been off this mission and he's like sharpening his boomerang and the leader of the tribe comes up behind him and he's like actually I took you off this mission for selfish reasons and I have a new mission for you. I want you to protect my daughter.
0: Also another thing about this whole military mission why wouldn't you ask Yue's fiance to protect her instead and then you have Sokka lead the the tribe against a fire nation because he knows more about the fire nation. I thought that was i get it for like the actual episode but like military wise it just doesn't so make sense stupid. again
1: so, so talk is happy because that means he gets to spend time with Yue.
0: yeah then we cut to ang meditating trying to get into the spirit world and this is so funny because yui's like what is he doing is like oh he's meditating we should be we need to be quiet for him to like be meditating but they keep on talking and so ang is just like funny. i can't concentrate with you two talking <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and so he's they finally you know
1: stop yapping away in the background and ang is able to concentrate on the pond in front of him and he sees two fish in the pond two koi fish but one is black with a white dot and one is white with the black dot and these two fish continue swirling and swirling at each other and as he's looking that looking at them they make a yin and yang symbol a symbol of balance and he's folk he's so focused on it he's able mm-hmm. to get into the spirit world
0: yeah um i really like that visual and you know Yue is just like what is going on and Katara's is basically explaining that you know he's fine he's safe right here as long as his body stays in this place ang should be fine and then UA is freaking out. She's kind of like, but like, what? we should get more backup. Like, we need to make sure he's fine. And Katara's like, I'll protect him. He's my friend. And of Uh, course, right on time, Zuko shows up and is like, oh, what a strong girl you are. Something like that. I'm like, oh, cheesy writing. That's what I'm like. This is when it gets cheesy writing. (laughs) But... Zuko's like hand him over but Katara fights him off and Katara is like really beasting him I love when she puts him into an ice ball she's like making all these like water bending movements her water bending's really strong right now but I was dying I yeah. was like you found a master haven't
1: you because she's improved a lot
0: yeah she has improved a lot and he hes this is when he's corny I'm like oh maybe like no airflow to the brain is making him talk so <laughs> corny here <laughs>
1: he's probably exhausted he can't think of some good lines
0: I know probably but also I'm like where are all the soldiers like I just am so confused I guess Yue is right there should have been backup because they randomly went there so that kind of makes sense but uh, you know they're fighting and Katara is really beasting him and she puts him in this ice block which is great And I'm a little confused about this because I couldn't figure out, like, how much time has passed because then we see the sun go up and Zuko kind of, like, wakes up and he blasts Katara, right? And Mm -hmm. he's like, you rise with the moon, I rise with the sun. And then we see Yue with Sokka on Appa coming down and Katara's like, they took him, like. So has a lot of time passed since... I think they were probably fighting for a while. And then since she put him in
1: ice, maybe he was there for a while. And then with the power of the sun, he was able to melt the ice. But the way that they are both fighting, it's it is yin and yang, right? Like any push that Katara gives Zuko, Zuko is able to fight back. And like, they have that opposites element going on here, like the fire and water. So I thought it was really interesting of like how the fight tied back into the koi fish. And also like the sun rises and then Zuko is strong and then the moon disappears into the day. And, you know Katara loses her strength so it's like there's kind of back and forth between. yeah back and
0: forth but it's also it just it was a little confusing because I'm like okay so time has passed because like UA is gone UA is with Sokka on Appa so it's like okay if you beat him at night why don't you put him in some chains so he can't steal the freaking avatar another militaristic mistake from the water tribe, like what the hell's going on? <laughs> like put him in shade, so like throw him back to the fire nation or something. But like you
1: could have been listening to Iroh's advice here about the octopus because yeah, have a lot of space in the net, so Zuko is able to melt it and he
0: captures the avatar. Like what did she think was going to happen when the sun came up? Like, if they had that much time that Yue could go and find Sokka and go on Appa, they could have gotten chains and like tied him up. So he Uh, couldn't do anything during this point. And it's just like one less thing they have to deal with during this battle, you know? So I was like. On
1: the um, battlefront with the sun rising, Zhao is charging over to the water tribe and he's like, I'm ready to write history. And the water tribe should be ready for the inevitable, which is death. Like, how, you know what I mean? Like, that's just so scary and. Horrible, and so he's attacking this. Aang's gone, Aang's body is gone, and then cut to Zuko who's trekking on this like ice tundra with the avatar on his back. And Aang, also, how'd he
0: get there that quickly? I'm just like, what? Like, this is I love the episode, but logistically, some of it does not make sense. How much
1: time had passed? Like, yeah, where is he? And also, how did he escape
0: again? Where are the freaking soldiers here? Yeah what's going on i'm just like um i love the episode though but more the more we talk about it, i'm like wow there, there's a lot of there's a lot of holes in the net for the octopus yeah i can tell you <laughs> um, while i was watching this the fight scene between zuko and katara i'm like definitely not a zutara fan anymore <laughs> because they, they don't have that i mean they are the yin and yang i guess but I don't know. I'm not as... Well, I like the idea that of Katang more now because Ang is always so kind to Katara. And, like, we have to... In society, we have to basically stop telling little girls, like, oh, he pushed you. He likes you. Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, he got you a flower. He likes you. You should like... Like, this is the kind of guy, if you want to, you should like him back. Not the boy who pushes you. Um, <laughs> That's so so I think true. It, it it, like, helps with the whole narrative of, like, Okay, like boys that are nice to you, not boys that try to beat you in combat. So,
1: one hundred percent. But we not a Zutara the-
0: fan anymore. <laughs> like, I'm not. I never was, but now I'm really not.
1: <laughs> but yeah, we left the episode in a cliffhanger. I really liked it. So fun to watch. Um, can't wait, and then we'll be done with season one.
0: I can't believe we're almost done with season one. What a what a journey we've been on. I know. You know. What would you rate this episode? I think a five. I think it's a a 5, or I'm going to give it a 4.7 for the lack of military logic.
1: (laughs) They're a mess. Oh my god, they're going to die. Like, thank god the Avatar showed up. These guys are not ready.
0: They're not ready at all. So, uh, but overall, I really love this episode. I think it really sets it up for part two. And I think part two is definitely a little better than part one. So that's another reason why I gave it a 4.7, because it's a little bit of setup for the next episode. I think it's still a great episode in total. So so fun thanks for listening and yeah like and subscribe Um, if you know someone who's an avatar the last airbender fan maybe you want to send them a link to our podcast that would be lovely but thanks again and we'll talk soon bye bye